0: Well, good morning, everybody. I know it's a cold morning today, but I'm excited to be sharing God's Word with you this morning. And a quick greeting as well, if you're watching online. We're so glad that you're a part of the service today online. And same thing, let us know. We've got people on the comments right now, so thank you for being part of that. Let us know you're here. But yes, uh, my Israel trip got moved. I was supposed to be uh, going tomorrow. Uh, I'm not too upset, though, because it kind of would be a lot to be thinking about right now. So thankfully, I could be thinking a little more about this. It's moved to three weeks from now, so we'll see if it still stands. Basically, America was on a red list for the country of Israel. They didn't want people coming at the moment because of COVID cases, how high it was. So hopefully in a couple weeks, I'll get to go. If not, I was talking to Michael uh, earlier. You know what? It'll happen when it happens. And uh, you know, God knows I do absolutely believe in his timing, so uh, that's okay. And I'm excited again to be here today talking about Elisha. And actually, even speaking of Israel, one of the reasons I'm excited to go is because I'll get to see the Holy Land, see uh, places, uh, things like this in the Bible that we're going to talk about today come to life. But I do have a pretty cool example uh, uh, later on we'll talk about as well, uh, something that I got to experience that I think illustrates our story. Last week, Pastor Jeff talked about how Elisha, we talked about burning plows, how he burned his plow. He said yes to what God had for him. He said no uh, to any sort of plan B. He was totally committed. This week we're talking about, like we saw in that video digging ditches. But the question that we're asking today and that we're going to be answering today is, how do I have faith in a ridiculous situation? How do I have faith in a ridiculous situation or when a situation seems ridiculous? A situation I don't want to be in? A situation where it would take a miracle for God to do something. A situation where faith in God feels a little ridiculous. We all could use a little bit more faith, even in my devotions this week. The disciples, they said that to Jesus. Lord, increase our faith. God, I wish I could have a faith like that. A ridiculous faith. A faith that believes in you, despite what's going on around me. Despite what I feel we sang it earlier in Waymaker that I know you're working even when I, when I don't feel it. I want a faith like that. How can I have a faith like that? That's the kind of faith that Elisha has, and we're going to see uh, that in this story today. We're in the book of Kings. It's divided into two different books in our Bible. Second Kings is where we're at today, and it's, about, um, it's part of the historical books. So you have uh, the nation of Israel was split into two. So there's the northern kingdom, Israel. There's the southern kingdom, Judah. But the book of Kings, what it does is it's part of the historical books, but it's not simply history. We're going to read about an event, uh, a battle that took place. But the book of Kings is giving us more than just here's what happened, it's functioning as a divine commentary, it's functioning as a theological interpretation. Here's what happened. And here's why it happened. It's telling us what's important and how God was moving in the middle of what was going on. And you know what? That's what all of us are looking for. Most of us in the room who are Christian, we're absolutely looking for that. Those of us who don't believe in God or if you're watching online, you're not sure where you're at. You know, you're looking for the same thing. That's why we say things like, well, maybe this is why the pandemic is happening. Christians have said, well, maybe God's judging America, or this is why, oh, if only I had said this, everything could be different. We're looking for for a commentary, a divine commentary on our life. And so that's what the book of Kings does. How do I have faith in a ridiculous situation? Elisha's gonna show us that. He's gonna show us how to catch what God is doing. In this story, Elisha reminds us of our relationship to God. So we're in 2 Kings chapter 3, and for the context of what's going on, there's another people group called Moab. uh, That's uh, the nation Moab. And basically, they rebel against Israel. And so they're harassing the nation of Israel. They're attacking their farms. They're attacking their people, messing up their economy. And actually, Elisha's call took place during this rebellion. Uh, that's how Second Kings opens up, that Moab rebelled, then it talks about Elisha 's call, and then it comes back to the rebellion. So even in chaos, God is on the move. Even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of a pandemic, God is moving. Are you hearing me right now? In the middle of chaos, in the middle of a pandemic, God is moving in your life. Are you recognizing it? Are you looking for him? Because he's moving. And so it's in the middle of this rebellion, the king of Israel and the king of Judah, the northern and southern king, uh, they decide to work together. They say, we're going to attack Moab because they're harassing us. They've rebelled against us. And they actually team up with somebody else, the king of Edom. So the three of them come from the south to attack Moab because Moab's weaker from the south. Three armies versus one. We're going to annihilate them. We're going to cream them. It's going to be easy, right? Right? But just like life, things don't go according to plan. It doesn't go the way they expected it to go. They get lost in the desert. They're going the long way. They end up getting lost trying to attack the enemy, and they're in the desert with no water. And so let's pick up the story in verse 9. Second Kings 3, verse 9, it says, So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, The army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. What, exclaimed the king of Israel, has the Lord called us three kings together only to hand us over to Moab? But Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord through him? An officer of the king of Israel answered, yes, Elisha is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. And so Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel, king of Judah, king of Edom, they went down to him. So as we're talking about ridiculous faith, having faith in a situation that feels ridiculous, here's, we're, we're going to talk about a couple principles that we can pull out from Elisha's life. So here's the first one. Your greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. Your greatest need can become a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. God. That's exactly what happens in this story that we read. These three kings go to attack Moab. They didn't consult God. They didn't think about God at all. It's actually really interesting in the book of Kings. It's constantly telling us this king did right, this king did evil, this king did good, this king did evil. But in this story, it doesn't really tell us actually. It's kind of left a little ambiguous. They didn't consult God. Is that a sin? I mean, I don't know, I guess not, right? It's something you didn't do, is it? I'm not sure. That's kind of real life a lot of times. You know, I don't know, but here we are in this situation. So they're in the middle of it now. They go, wait a minute. We didn't, is, we should come to God. What is God? God, I need help. That's what all of us do. We get in the middle of a situation. God, I need some help. And so uh, they come to Elisha. You may be in your situation right now. You may feel like they are. In the middle of a desert, with no water. And it might be a result of your own choices. You know, maybe you're there right now because of your attitude, your actions, or your ambition. That's exactly what happened with these three kings. They said, we're going to take care of the enemy. Again, didn't cross their mind to consult God. Was it wrong for them to do this? I don't know. So you look at your life. Well, did I, did I sin? Is that, is that why I'm here? But, you know, maybe you said something you shouldn't have said. Or you did something you shouldn't have done. Or you reacted. And because of your reaction, now there's a whole thing going on in your family. You say, well, is it a sin? It was just a reaction. I don't know, but you know it's a result of what you've done. Or maybe you've stepped on some people to get your way. You're like, well, this is what's best for everybody. And you stepped on some people and now... You're in a situation. It's a result of your choices. Or you might be more like the soldiers. I think the soldiers in this story, it's someone else's choice. Look, they were in the desert. It says they were there for seven days. They're wandering around, a roundabout march. They're basically lost in the desert on the way to the enemy. Now they're out of water. And that might be how you feel. Like, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. And now here I am. How did I get here? I didn't sin. I didn't do something wrong. I didn't do something evil. I'm where I'm supposed to be, and now look where I am. I'm in the desert with no water. God, where are you? But your greatest need can become a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. You might feel like, well, I was let go from my job, or your family's moving. You know, that's something that you can't control, or uh, someone that you love is making choices you don't agree with. They say, God, where are you? But ridiculous with faith would say, it's a blessing because now I, it, it drives me to depend on God. And I know that we can go all over this room about times people here who you've experienced this before, that you've seen this happen in your life. But man, we gotta be reminded because every time we end up in a desert, we forgot about the last time that God got us out of a desert, right? You forget because you freak out. I don't have enough water, God. What are you gonna do? But one example when I think of just even in my own life was uh, when I was working. I had a part-time job somewhere else, and I had been there for a long time. And uh, now I was getting tired of it. I didn't want to be there anymore, and I felt that a change was coming eventually. But I was getting so tired of uh, you know taking out the trash, cleaning toilets, taking orders from people. I didn't know what else to do. I started praying. It's what I started to do because I was hoping for a change. I was looking for a change. And the more that I wanted, uh, you know, there to be a change, the more I was praying. It got to the point where I was praying every day. I'd be praying during my shift like, God, just help me get through this because I didn't want to be there. But your greatest need can become a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. Because in those times of prayer, as I prayed over and over again, about the situation that I wanted to change, God started to reveal some things that were inside of me. As I was praying about this situation that I wanted to change, God started to change some things in my heart. God started to expose that I had some bitterness inside. He started to expose that I had some entitlement inside of me. I didn't even realize it was there. But because this situation drove me to depend on God... God started to do a work in my heart. Your greatest need can become a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. Sometimes it takes a ridiculous situation to bring us to our knees, to get to a place where we're coming back to God. Here's the next thing we see in the story. Ridiculous faith understands being willing to do the menial prepares you for the miracle. Being willing to do the menial prepares you for the miracle. The miracle because I'm sure we could go around, and even when I think of my own life, when I was praying about that situation that I was in, you know, it didn't change right away. It didn't change uh, the fact that I still had to take out trash and clean toilets and take orders. That didn't change just because I started praying. And just because God was doing a change in my life, That none of those things change. You need to be willing to do the menial Uh, uh, in order to do the miracle. Look at even why they call on the life of Elisha. Look what they say in verse 11. Uh, Is there anybody that can talk to God for us? We kind of forgot to talk to God. Is there anybody around who can do this? And they say, yeah, Elisha's here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. And Pastor Jeff shared last week about how much this verse meant to him personally when he was young in ministry, being a refreshment to the leadership above him. And I I absolutely hope that he feels that way about all of us on the staff, that we function this way for him. But, you know, before they invented napkins, you know, when you would eat, one of the ways that you could clean your hands, because it's messy, uh, you know, is a servant would come and they could pour water on your hands and they would catch the water in a basin because, you know, that water's precious and we're in the desert, you don't want to waste it. And so that's the job of a servant that Elisha did for his mentor, Elijah. He was willing to do the job of a servant, a menial job, a lowly job, a humble job. Before God did any miracles in his life, he was willing to do the menial, and the menial prepared him for the miracles God would do. They came to him, They probably heard of some of the miracles that Elisha had already done. If you read chapter 2, he's already done some pretty epic stuff. But that's not what they say here. They say, yeah, he's the guy that used to serve Elijah. That's how they knew to come to him. And sometimes we want God to do something great in our life, but are you willing to do the menial? Are you willing to do the boring? Are you willing to do the tedious, the thankless? Jesus says those who... Exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Are you willing to do the humble, the tedious, the lowly, or are there some things that are kind of beneath you? Oh, I'll serve God. Yeah, sure. But that's kind of beneath my pay grade. Well, that's what I did when I was younger. You know, they can get other people to do that. That's not the attitude Jesus had. And as followers of Jesus, are you willing to do the tedious, the lowly, the humble? You know, I'm glad that I don't have, uh, I'm I'm at a different place now. Uh, I'm not at that part-time job, but you know what? That doesn't mean I'm above taking out the trash or cleaning a toilet. It just means I know how to do it really well now. That's what it means. And it's the same thing in our lives too. And I actually want to, just as I'm saying that, I want to give a huge shout out to Hope Davis as well. I'm not, I don't know if I see her right now in the room. She's one of the secretaries here at the church. All of our secretaries are amazing. But I want to give her a huge special shout out because she does the job of the tedious the, uh, the, the cleaning around here. She does so much of that. The stuff that you don't think about that you just take for granted. She does an amazing job with all of that. And I just think she deserves that as I'm talking about doing the job of a menial, uh, menial job. That's, she does so much. And I, we're so thankful for her. And I, so I want to give her that shout out this morning. And so we need to humble ourselves. The menial prepares you for the miracle. So the story goes on. Elisha does agree to help. They come to Elisha. He agrees to help them, and they're kind of like, we, uh, can, you know, can you talk to God for us? And uh, those of us who, if, if you're a Christian and people know that you're a Christian, if you're living that out, you've probably had people do that before. They come to you and they, they go, hey, you know the big guy, right? Can, can you say a prayer? Well, you know him really well. Can, 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 you, can you talk to him for me? You know, I had a friend that, uh, in high school, he would say that. He'd say, Matt, you got God on speed dial. And I'm like, well one, that would actually take longer for me to press a button and then talk to him. But uh, by the way, like, it's just as easy for you to talk to him too. I'm like, yeah, I have a relationship with God. I know him, but like, I'm not any more powerful than you are. Like, you can just talk to him, you know. But so that's what they do. Elisha, can you talk to him for us? And so Elisha says, yes. Okay, that's fine. I'll talk to him. He says, you haven't focused on God. You want me to focus on God? Fine. In verse 15, I don't have it on the screen. In verse 15, he says, bring me a harpist. You know, get me some mood music. You've been ignoring God. You haven't focused on him. You just went and did what you wanted to do. So you know what? I need a few minutes. You know, that's what's so special about one of the ways that we worship God is through music like we just did. And at the end of service today, we'll sing a song together. Uh, You know, it's more than just something to do or the order of service You know, when we worship God in music, it can prepare our hearts to hear from Him. And that's what happens with Elisha in this story. He worships God, the harpist comes, and then he hears from God. And so I want to give you that opportunity at the end of service today. Even though it's cold outside, you don't have to rush out of here as we sing a song together and we ask God to speak to us today. But here's the next thing that we see. Ridiculous faith believes big, but is willing to start small. Ridiculous faith believes big, but is willing to start small. And that's exactly what we see in Elisha's life. That's what we see Elisha do in this story. This is true all over Scripture. right? I mean, how many Scripture verses could we find that talk about this, right? Jesus' faith as small as a mustard seed, all these different things. But here's one for you, Zechariah uh, 4.10. It says, Do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Ridiculous faith, it believes big. I know God can do a miracle, but it's willing to start small. All right, I'm going to focus on what's in front of me. Look what Elisha does. Now, this is uh, interesting. Depends on your translation. Uh, Some of the older translations, it's cool how they word it. So I just want to highlight that. I have it on the screen. If you have a newer translation, it, it may word it different. Depends on the philosophy Uh, uh, But it's interesting what God says to Elisha. Check this out. In verse verse 16, he says, This is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. For this is what the Lord says. You will neither see wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water. And you, your cattle, your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. And... Oh yeah, what was the other thing? How do we get in this mess in the first place? Oh yeah, he'll hand hand Moab over to you too. God's going to provide. God's going to do something big. God's going to do a miracle. He's going to do something big. So you know what? You need to get ready. You need to start digging some ditches. Remember, they're in the desert with no water in the hot sun. And he's like, hey guys, get your shovels out. Start digging because God's going to do something big. Like, how does that make any sense? Why would I do that? I'm sweating in the hot sun with no water. Yeah, I believe God's going to do something big, so I'm willing to start small. He says this is an easy thing for God to do. With the snap of his finger, God could make water come here. So it's almost like God is saying, hey, you better get ready. I want to see your faith because I'm going to show you my faithfulness. Same thing, man, that's true all over scripture. How many times in the New Testament did Jesus heal somebody and he said, go, your faith has made you well. And I want to help us, those of us, we're a Pentecostal church, so Pentecostals, sometimes we get a little too excited about that. You say, oh, I have enough faith. My faith made me well. No, it's your faith isn't some kind of substance that's greater than somebody else's. Jesus says "A mustard is all you need. It's your faith in Jesus. Jesus has the power and the authority to heal and to move and to work and to do miracles. And so, oh, your faith in Jesus has made you well. And, you know, there's a story, Jesus, he heals Ten uh, lepers, people who had a disease. Jesus is walking by, and they do the same thing as the kings do in this story. Hey, God, help us. God, do something. God, do a miracle in our life. We need you, God. And so Jesus says, okay, go show yourself to the priest, and you're healed. But look at how what, what he even says. It's in Luke chapter 17, he says, uh, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. He says, all right, you want me to heal you? Go ahead. Go on your way and, and uh, show yourself to the priest. They, they, they were healed as they were going. You may say, God, how can I have faith in you if you haven't changed this situation yet? How can I walk in confidence if you haven't moved the way I want you to move yet, God? But Jesus is saying, go. Step out in faith. Show me your faith, and I'll show you my faithfulness. Ridiculous faith, it believes big. God is the one that can bring the water. But it's willing to start small. All right, God, I know you're going to do something, so I'll, I'll dig a ditch. If that's what you need me to do, I'll, I'll just keep digging, God. That's fine with me because I've got faith that you're going to come through. Elisha had this ridiculous faith because he knew how God had worked previously in his life, and so he believes God big And so how do I have faith in a ridiculous situation? Catch what God is doing. Catch what God is doing. When you're in a situation that you don't want to be in, when you're in a situation that feels ridiculous, in a situation where faith in God feels a little ridiculous, like maybe you need a miracle, like you're in the desert with no water, catch what God is doing. What is he trying to do in you? What is he trying to do through you? Don't miss the season that you're in. Don't miss what God is trying to do. Think about where we are in a pandemic. I said this at the beginning of the pandemic. You know, there are a few Christians in the course of history who have had the opportunity to be a Christian during a pandemic. But God has given you and me that opportunity to reflect the light of Christ in the middle of a pandemic. Catch what God is doing. Look what happens. Here's how the story wraps up in verse 20. The next morning, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom, and the land was filled with water. God did a miracle. He did what he said he would do. And now, here's what's cool. I want to show you something that I thought was super cool. As I'm reading about this, I'm trying to, you know, imagine it in my mind. You know, what does this look like? Uh, They're in a valley. They believe possibly there was a stream that had dried up. The the armies maybe were counting on that. And, you know, now there's no water. So now they're lost in the desert. And what are they going to do? And and water comes as water was flowing from the direction of Edom. It was coming from uh, mountains into the valley where they were. And I realized I have been in a place similar to this. Last year, Rebecca and I went to Utah. We were able to do... uh, Uh, grace jika's wedding grace torres now grace and christian we had an amazing time it was so much fun being with them and it was in zion national park and one of the places we went was to the narrows so i just have some pictures here that i took this is of the narrows it's a part of the park this is from the website it's the narrowest section of zion canyon it's a gorge with walls thousands of feet tall and a river sometimes just 20 to 30 feet wide one of those popular areas of Zion National Park. And if you really want to see it, you have to hike in the river. So you get, like, boots and, and, and you hike, and it's, it's really fun. It, it was a really, really cool experience. Now, it says, "...the narrows are susceptible to flash flooding because much of the surrounding area is bare rock that does not absorb much water. During storms, runoff is funneled rapidly into the narrows. During a flash flood, the water level rises almost instantly." Within seconds or minutes, flash floods are common in Zion. Hikers have been stranded, injured, and even killed by venturing into narrow, flood-prone canyons. You won't hear the rain far away or anything; it'll just come. <laughs> that's from the national park website. I just like I copied and pasted it. Like that's crazy. And and look at this. So we were there, May thirty first, twenty twenty one. One month later, there was a flash flood, and this is the town of Springdale, outside of where we were, so the water would have come from where I just showed you some pictures of. It totally hit the town really hard. And this is actually a month after that. There was another one. This is a video on YouTube I had just screenshotted. If you kind of can see in the beginning, the river bank, uh, the size of the river, and then one minute later, how much bigger it is. You see how much more rough it is. Uh, Some people were getting caught in the stream. It was crazy. And uh, for me, this just like blew my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, this could be the way that God did it. Like when it says that God provided the water, there's no water here right now, but I'm going to do a miracle. Real faith, Ridiculous faith believes God for big things, but it's willing to start small. And when we say catch what God is doing, Elijah said, get ready, dig a ditch because God's going to move. You know, if they didn't dig, if they didn't get ready, if they weren't aware that this was going to happen... They would have been swept away by the water. They would have missed what God was doing. How do I have faith in a ridiculous situation? Catch what God is doing. Being willing to do the menial prepares you for the miracle. Catch what God is doing. And so here's how I want to wrap up today. I think all of us can kind of fall into three or so categories when it comes to the situations that we're in how do you catch what god is doing i think there's one of three different things that we need to do the first one is this recognize god recognize god moving in your life the truth is that he's always working that's what we were just singing whether i i see it or not whether i feel it or not god is always working even with the example that i just gave of the narrows you know maybe you're uh you could you know look at that and say oh okay so it, they thought it was a miracle but obviously it was a natural cause Uh, you know, I I don't think that was really God. I think there's an explanation there. And, uh, you know, I would say that's actually a faulty view of God, but maybe that's how you think of things in your life. Well, I don't really know if that was him. You know, I would say, well, okay, first of all, I think the divine timing of that miracle is pretty insane. I think that's part of just because we see how God could have done it doesn't make it not not a miracle. And also, maybe the miracle is just that he revealed it to Elisha. Hey, this is going to happen, and uh, now you guys know. So get ready. Like, maybe that's the miracle, And so in your life, when you're in a situation, you have a choice to make. Are you going to recognize God moving in your life or not? Jesus heals those 10 lepers of the disease that they had, leprosy. They say, God, do something for us. Oh, God, where are you? Can you help us? God says, yeah, sure, go ahead. Heals them. And nine of them walk away. Not even recognizing what God had done. Nobody praised God and thanked Him for the situation. Actually, the way this story ends in Kings, nobody does that either. You've got a choice. Are you going to recognize God or not? Romans 1.20 says, forever since the creation of the world, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God has made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Just look around you. Look around at your life. Reflect on what God has done. Maybe, maybe God saved you from a car wreck one time or maybe you forgave somebody and you felt something kind of starting to unlock in your heart and then you just kind of moved on recognize God moving in your life here's the next one recognize God some of us we need to consult God how do I catch what God is doing in my life some of us need to consult God this story began with nobody thinking about God nobody consulted God it's when they're in the middle of a hot mess they go wait a minute maybe we should pray And the good news is, if that's where you find yourself, God's not too far away. God's not mad at you because you forgot. Is it a sin? Is it not a sin? If that's where you find yourself, just consult God. Come to him. Look what Isaiah 30, 18 says. And actually, again, if you look at the context, it's a very similar situation. Uh, The people of God did something without consulting God. They're kind of paying for their consequences. But look what God says, though. That the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. God longs to do something in your life. He longs to speak to you. Elisha reminds us you have a relationship to God. You have a relationship with God. And so consult God. I wonder how the story would have unfolded if they started with praying to God. You know, maybe they wouldn't have ever been in a desert. I wonder how your story will unfold if you consult God in your situation that you're thinking of right now. How will your story unfold if you don't consult God? If you don't worry about it? In just a couple minutes, we'll, we'll wrap up service today, and I'll give you that opportunity. Spend a few minutes. Why wait till next week? Why wait till I got a little more time? We got time this morning. Let's spend some time consulting God. And here's the last one. Some of us, we need to recognize God. Some of us need to consult God. And for a lot of us, we got to simply focus on what's in front of us. No, you're in a situation. You want it to change. You feel like you're in the desert with no water. Ridiculous faith believes big. I know that God can bring the miracle. I know that God can bring the water. So right now, I just need to focus on what's in front of me. I just got to, maybe I just got to dig a ditch. The menial prepares you for the miracle. What's in front of you right now as you're waiting for God to move? Remember, we don't want to think that there are, well, there's certain things that I don't do. Certain things are beneath me. Well, I got big faith, so I believe big things, so I don't do small stuff. Jesus says, if you exalt yourself, you'll be humbled, but if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. So we don't want to have that kind of attitude. And look what the New Testament says too. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. In order to catch what God is doing, let me focus on what's in front of me right now, whether it's favorable or not. If I'm in a situation that I don't want to be in, let me focus on the one who doesn't change. If I want my situation to change, let me focus on the one that doesn't change. When you think of your own situation, maybe you're at your job, you know that you want to move up in the company, right? You want to gain some credibility. You want to be respected. Okay, great. Then put your head down and work consistently. Consistency, uh, consistency builds credibility. You want to be in ministry? Serve at your church, right? Focus on what's in front of you. Well, I know one day I'm going to preach in front of crowds. Okay, well, stack some chairs, man. Why are people going to hire you if if you don't already help at your church? You know, it's actually my wife Rebecca. The first time I heard her preach a sermon at youth group, she said, uh, "You know, some of you guys you want to be preachers or this or that." And she goes, "Well, you know what? Do your homework because you know what writing a sermon is? It's a research paper." With public speaking. Oh, yeah, and you got to hear from God. So <laughs> it's like, you, you want to be a preacher? Then do your homework. Focus on what's in front of you. You want your kids to rely on God? Model that for them. That means even when you don't have the answers, you don't have to pretend that you do. Just model what it's like to rely on God. If you want to stand for injustice, you want to see a change happen in this world. Don't just be a keyboard warrior where you type on on Facebook. You know, do something about it. Maybe use your keyboard to write to your senator. Or go to a rally. Or volunteer at an organization. If you want to make a difference, do something about it. It may not be a favorable time. It may not be happening the way that you want it to. But how will your story unfold if you focus on what's in front of you? Ridiculous faith catches what God is doing. Don't miss what he's doing. God is moving in the midst of chaos. God is moving in the midst of a pandemic. God is moving even when you're in a desert with no water. So don't miss it. Catch what God is doing. Pastor Bonnie, uh, you can come and give us some music as we get ready today. How do you have faith in a ridiculous situation? Ridiculous faith understands that your greatest need can become a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. And it knows that the menial prepares you for the miracle. Right? And so, ridiculous faith, we want to catch what God is doing. So for some of us here today, we've got to recognize God, consult God, or simply focus on what's in front of you. I want to invite you to stand to your feet as we wrap up this morning, if you're able to. I think with a message like this today... Talk about ridiculous faith. talking about being in a ridiculous situation. I want to see God move. Let's take a few minutes today and spend some time with God. Why wait till next week? Why wait till I got a little more time? Why, maybe tomorrow, tonight or something. Why not just right now? We've got the time today. Let's make this a place of prayer. Let's make this a place where we can recognize, consult, and focus on God. For those of us who are here today, you may simply need to recognize God in your life. Your life in general, or maybe the situation that you're in, and perhaps you actually find that difficult. you hear what I'm saying? Man, I'd love to have that kind of ridiculous faith. Oh, yeah, I know God's moving, but it's kind of like the narrows. I'm like, well, I, I think I can come up with a, a way. I, it's tough for me. It's tough. Well, then what I want you to do today as we respond to the message Ask God to reveal himself to you. Like God spoke to Elisha, telling him what he was going to do. Ask God, reveal to me how you're moving in my life, God. I want to recognize you moving. Some of us here, we need to consult God. A lot of times in our life, we kind of make our own plans, and then we send a quick text prayer to God, just letting him know what we're doing. A lot of times we don't check with God first. Lord, what do you have for me? What are your plans? Do I need to change my plans, Lord? Let's spend a couple minutes today with that situation that you have in mind. Can you consult God? Can you lay it at his feet this morning? Some of us simply need to focus on what's in front of us and you're in a situation that you don't want to be in. You're waiting for it to change. You know that God's going to move big. It says the miracle happened the next day. It might be tomorrow morning where God does something in your life. But right now, he's asking you to have faith. He's asking you to dig a ditch. Right now, he's asking you to be faithful in the little things. And so this morning, can you take a moment and commit that to God? Let's begin to pray right now. Yo, I want to invite you, you can come up front here and pray as well. Let's take a couple minutes today. I have it on the screen so you can focus on where you're at. If you need to recognize God, if you need to consult God, or if you need to focus on what's in front of you. Lord, we commit these things to you. We come to your presence now, God. What is that situation for you? Let's take a few minutes to want to catch what God is doing in our life. You can sit at your seat, you can come up front, you can kneel, you can stay standing. something like Elisha did when we spend time in God's presence with some music behind us. As we worship God in music, he can open our heart to hear from him. You're struggling recognizing where God is moving in your life. Ask him to reveal that to you. You feel like you need strength right now. God, I feel like I'm digging a ditch in a desert. I feel like an idiot, God. Lord, strengthen me right now. Help me to be faithful to you. God, I believe you big for the miracle. Help me to be faithful to you right now. Is there something that maybe you need to change? God, I've made my plans, but I realize I'm in the middle of it, and I didn't really check with you. God, is there something that I need to change about my life? about my attitude, to get in your plans, to catch what you're doing in my life. What do I have to change, God? Thank you, Lord, that you hear us.